there. Welcome to the Reading Project Podcast, where I help you build stronger readers one episode at a time. I'm Ashley, and you're Reading Tutor. My experience as an online tutor, classroom teacher, and the mother of a reluctant reader has allowed me to bring a fun and effective approach to building stronger and more confident readers. I created the Reading Project after working with dozens of families in my business that needed support in helping their readers at home. I want parents and caregivers to know that you don't have to be a teacher to help your struggling reader. I'm here to help with book suggestions, homework tips and tricks, tools and ideas for tackling reading, writing, and spelling work at home. I am on a mission to help you develop a culture of literacy and a love of stories with your children. Let's do it. All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Reading Project podcast. I'm super excited for our episode today because I have my friend Julie here with us today. And she is just a wonderful mom and entrepreneur. She's got two boys and she's newly homeschooling this year. So she made the decision, like a lot of families, to homeschool her children uh, due to the COVID pandemic. And even though, you know, that's what sort of spurred her into homeschooling, I think that she's going to share with us. She's really enjoying homeschooling now. And she is going to talk to us about her journey as a homeschooling mom with children who had some struggles around reading and writing, you know, previously in their public school experience and, and sort of what that's been like for her to take on that ownership role as their teacher and educator and and some of the surprises and, and things that have happened along the way. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Julie. Why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, thank you for having me, Ashley. As you said, I am a mom of two. I have two boys. They're very close in age, and um, right now they're in first and second grade. My husband and I, we both work from home, which made our decision to switch to homeschooling a little bit easier. So I know that that's not something that everyone can do, but for us, it made the most sense because we're both home all the time now. And yeah, so it just made more sense for us to do that. And I think when you're making that decision, it's it's good that you shared that you're both working because some people think that homeschooling is not something that you can do if both parents are working. And so I think it's good to share that two parents can be working parents and homeschool still. But I I also recognize that it is um, it does require a level of flexibility, right? So both of your jobs must allow you to be flexible enough that you can accommodate homeschooling your kids. Yeah, absolutely. And what we found with the switch from, you know, regular schooling to remote schooling, because we did do the remote from like March to June, was that it was almost as if the remote schooling offered less flexibility. Mm -hmm. So that was a huge deciding factor for us, was that we could be more flexible with homeschooling. That makes sense because I know a lot of families who are remote schooling have specific times that they have to log in or certain assignments that have to be completed and still have deadlines and things like that. Whereas with homeschooling, you get to set up your schedule 100% on your own and decide, you know, your pace and you get to decide, oh, today's, I mean, especially in Vermont, if you're like, it's sunny and warm, but we're going to go outside today, right? You don't have to worry about missing a Zoom meeting or anything like that. Exactly. So that's awesome. And now... Did you ever imagine that you would be homeschooling? So that's an interesting one because it's something that 
deep down and sort of like one of those things you keep quiet because you're like afraid to talk about it. Yes, I wanted to homeschool. I did a lot of research into homeschooling, but my older son has some learning struggles and he was on an IEP and I just was hearing from everyone, you know, grandparents, uh, teachers that just really told me that I couldn't do it, which I shouldn't have listened to. I should have trusted my gut. But yeah, that was the pressure. The external pressure was, you know, his needs are too much for you. You're not going to be able to meet them at home. And what we found was actually the exact opposite, that we were better able to meet his needs at home. Okay. Yeah. So that must have been a little bit scary transitioning to homeschooling when you've been getting these messages and 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 you know that he has some struggles. And so I know when my son showed some, you know, reluctance to reading, I definitely thought, oh, like, what if, you know, what if he would be better off, right? Because you hear all these messages like, oh, they, that's like the traditional way, right? We need them to be in school. So I totally can understand having some fear around being able to meet all their needs. And I think a lot of parents, homeschooling parents, have certain areas that they maybe excelled in or they have strengthened just as an adult learner and other areas that they have, they don't feel as confident in. And so sometimes you have to get help from other places or, you know, maybe you take an out school class or something like that to sort of make up the difference. But I'm sure a lot of families can relate to just feeling like they want to do it, but not sure. And, you know, feeling, feeling not confident. Yeah. So so what has it been like transitioning to, to being a homeschool mom and just taking ownership of, of the learning for your kids? So the first thing I think that it's important to say is that I love it. I love all the time I'm getting with my kids. Mm -hmm. When they were in public school, I just felt like we were rushing constantly, like rush to get out of bed, rush to get dressed, rush to eat, rush to drop them off. There was never like a pause or quality time then when I would pick them up, my older son, the one with the struggles, was just shut down. Like, I think that the full day at a school building was just too overstimulating for him. He would get in the car. He wouldn't tell me anything about his day. I'd ask him, how was your day? He'd say, I'm not saying nothing. <laughs> oh, yeah. And um, then he'd come home and he'd lay on the couch because he was just totally pooped. And then, you know, I was going through their backpacks, cooking dinner, packing more lunches, then we'd read with them and then, you know, maybe watch a show and then bedtime struggle. And there was never any quality time with them. And now I spend hours of quality time with them every day. So I am absolutely loving that part of it. But there were definitely some eye-opening, and when I say were, still are, right. eye-opening moments where I'm like, oh, like, this is not going how I thought it was going to go. And one of the big places that's happened is with reading. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about some of the surprises along the way as you sort of took over educating um, your kids? Yeah. So we thought that they were both great readers. <laughs> and that was the perception we had from school, because I think that they're both very good boys. So they're not behavior problems mm -hmm. and they do what they're asked to do. And I think they present well in a classroom, if that makes sense. 
Yeah. And then they would come home and we would read with them. And of course it was, you know, like seven o'clock at night and they'd fight it and they'd struggle, but we were mostly reading, you know, um, stuff that was maybe suggested from school or sent home from school. And we very quickly realized once we started doing it with them on their own, that they were just memorizing. Mm -hmm. So we've got, we've got two memorizers. They read a book once and they know it and they can almost give it to you back. And, but when you show them something new, right. They do not know what they're reading. So. Yeah. um, I think that's a really common coping mechanism for kids who are struggling is they, they just figure out a way to sort of slide under the radar and try to, you know, don't notice me here. Right. Yeah. So what was like, what tipped you off or how did you discover that things were not as you thought? (laughs) With the older son, he's into second now and we're getting into some books where there aren't as many pictures. Mm -hmm. So that was a big wake up when he doesn't have a picture there to look at and sort of guess, like I very quickly, when I was showing him a text for the first time, realizing that he, he was guessing based on the first letter of the word and what was going on in the picture. Um, Okay. Yeah. And then realizing that then when he would read it with his dad at night, he was doing great because he remembered from the morning with me. And I'm like, that's what's been going on all this time. Right. Okay. And so then when you thought about, okay, you know, what is my school day going to look like? What am I going to use for materials? What were some of the, the questions and things you thought about when it came to helping him with reading? So what I ultimately did was, um, we just like stripped away and went like bare bones and like back to the beginning. We had bought a, one of the big boxed curriculums and we very quickly realized that most of the stuff they had at start of second grade was too advanced for him, which makes sense because ultimately they didn't get the end of their first grade year, you know? So at first I was kind of like, no, like I'm not giving up. We're pushing through this. He can do it. And then I was like, no, like they had the most, messed up first grade year the longest summer ever and then I'm expecting him to jump jump in at like start of second grade right Um, so I mean we really 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 stripped down went back to the beginning like first hundred words which I think some people do in like kindergarten and pre-k right started back that you're talking about sight words and high frequency words yeah. 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 Um, so I had him go through those. I separated them into like packs of 20, 25, went through them until he had them all down with like different games, you know, like yeah. fly swatter game and right. cars on the right word and everything. And, you know, went back then to just reviewing with games as much as I can to keep him focused. Right. Uh, you know, diagraphs, because that was a big one. You know, he's yep. something that started with C and start sounding it out with a K, but not realize yeah, yes. that the next sounds H and made the combination. And then with the younger one, we really went with like back to like letters. What sounds do they make? And then tapping out and everything, which were things that, that I would have thought, and he probably would have had a better grasp of if he had finished out kindergarten. Right. But, 
Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So were there ever any moments where you, you sort of had like an aha moment or a realization that, that you had really stepped into that role as an educator and that your fears and worries about not being able to meet his needs, you know, as a struggling reader, you realized that you were doing it, right? It was working out and I don't know if I've had one of those moments. I'm putting you on the spot. I I can't think of one particular moment where I was like, all right, we're good. We got this because I still am kind of like internally like, do we got this? Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I think every parent everywhere has those doubts about, you know, is this right? Am I doing the right thing? And but I know you said in in elementary school, he had he was on an IEP. So was he receiving services for reading when he was in public school? No, his IEP was almost totally physical and speech. So um, he had OT and speech uh, services. He had no services for academics. Oh, interesting. Okay. So he he was a struggling reader, but he wasn't really receiving any specific services for that necessarily? Well, no. So in his school, he was not they did not label him as a struggling reader. Got it. Okay. Yeah. It was only I realized that he was actually struggling once I sat down with him. Um, because like I said, they would send the materials home. We would read it with him at night and he was doing it perfectly. We thought it was great. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. He was definitely using like coping you know, guessing based on the first letter of the word and the images and all of that. And um, yeah, I didn't realize that until I became the one who was teaching him. Right, right. Well, so how is it going now? How have you been almost, let's see, we've got a couple more months left of the school year. I'm just thinking like, okay, we're headed into March now. It's March. (laughs) So how, how's he been doing with reading? Do you feel like he's making progress? Do you feel like he's feeling more successful now? Yeah, he's definitely making progress and he's definitely getting better. I'm seeing the growth. So I guess that's your moment of like (laughs) realizing that it's okay and we're on the right track is when I see that the connections are being made. And it's so awesome as a parent to get to see that because I think that we miss that when they're in a school. Someone else gets to watch the little light bulb go off (laughs) above their head, but I'm loving that I get to see that now. One of the things, and this isn't reading related, this is actually math related, but Mm -hmm. still relevant, is that um, at the beginning of the school year, I did a lot of research into um, like multiple intelligences and learning styles and even like the Enneagram, trying to figure out as much as I could, like how they'd learn so that I could meet them where they were at. Right. I had my older son totally pegged as like an auditory learner because he's the type that's fidgeting and doing things. But if you ask him a question, he was listening. Okay. Yeah. So just the other week, we're working on multiplication tables with him. And so during the day, I was like writing out the problems with him and he was answering them and he had them all like he could do them. I could switch them up. He could right. do them like they didn't need to be in like order and he had it. So my husband that night was trying to drill him on them and he could not get a single one right hearing like, you know, three times five, three times eight. He couldn't get a single one. And then I was like, hold on. 
And I went and got the whiteboard, like a little mini whiteboard, and yeah. I wrote, you know, three times five on it. And he looks off at it and goes, oh, 15. And I'm like, oh, like, this is interesting. I need to, like, figure this right, out. Like, right, right. It's much more visual. Yeah, yeah. So it's very interesting. Just, like, it's almost like every kid has a code, and you're, like, cracking that code. Trying to figure it out. And that sort of makes sense to me based on what you said earlier about him being able to memorize things. Because if he's seeing the word and memorizing the book, and so then when he sees the multiplication facts, he's able to sort of, like, visually see those numbers and remember the answer. So Yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. Well, if there are other families out there listening that are considering homeschooling or maybe they are doing some version of remote learning or hybrid learning and they're they're struggling with their kids with learning at home. Do you have any tips for them or advice that might help make things easier? Yeah, I mean, my top tip would be to look at yourself first because I realized that my one of the things I think that was hanging my kids up was that I was feeling like we needed to stick to like this plan. Mm -hmm. So I think you have to look at yourself first and say like, are they struggling because of something I'm doing, which I don't want to put like pressure on homeschooling parents or anything. But I think that if you look at what you're doing, you might be able to make things more easy for your child. I was holding on to this. We bought this box curriculum. You should be in second grade. You should be able to do this. And I needed to look at myself and go like, why? Right. But why? Yeah. And then let go of that and come up with a new plan. So, um, yeah. So just, you know, looking at what you're doing and what else you could do to help the situation, being open to switching your plan you yeah. don't have to stick to your first plan. Mm-hmm. Like at what point or in what in life does the first plan work perfectly every time, right? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, those would be, I think, the two biggest ones for me. And then really just getting to know your child, like I said about like, you know, crack their code, figure them out, become a student of your student so that you can help them in yeah. any way that they need. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And I definitely agree because I know with my son, when we first brought him home and started homeschooling him, I, the the teacher in me wanted it to be school at home, but he constantly was pushing back against that. And it took me a little bit of time to realize that the reason we felt we wanted, you know, the reason we felt we should homeschool him was because he did not fit into that traditional box of what school looks like. And so here I was trying to recreate school at home, but we had just said school didn't work, right? You know, he wasn't thriving there. So it took some time for me to sort of let go of what I expected homeschool to look like Mm -hmm. and sort of, like you said, really get to know him as a learner and meet him where he was. And, And when it comes to grade levels and things like that, I don't, I mean, he's a certain age and therefore I guess would be in a grade if he was in public school. But like you, we, we focus more on like the skills he's learning and what he needs to work on more or what he's got down it. And we sort of, we don't follow like a specific set plan, do this because he's in this grade, you know? Right, um, right. And I definitely think that's one of the best things about homeschooling is that you can be flexible in your learning style and how you do things and you can be flexible and 
you know, you don't have 20 students in front of you that you have to teach the same lesson to, right? You just have your one, so you can individualize it. And uh, I think a lot of kids need that. So I think that's really cool. What would you say is working well for you in terms of like a homeschool schedule or a learning space? Or is there anything, you know, just that you think is going really well that other parents could try? Well, that's really funny because we set up a whole learning space in our third floor. And we did go up there for probably the first two months. And then when the seasons changed, I don't know what it was about it. I think, you know, our living room's really comfy. We got lots of blankets, you know, it's right. warm. Um, they started asking to not go up there anymore for school. So, yeah, our homeschool space that we set up did not work. Right. <laughs> We're now doing it in between, like, the living room and the dining room. But the schedule that's really worked for us is first and foremost, letting them wake up on their own. That has been a life changer. Yeah. (laughs) They were neither is really a morning person. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the biggest struggles with getting to, you know, public school was I had to wake them up at a certain time. They slept like teenagers. It was like I was pulling blankets off them, opening curtains, and they were pull dragging. (laughs) Yeah. So that is like a world away from my house where my kids are like up between five and six every single day. (laughs) Oh, goodness. No, no. I mean, Liam slept till 930 over the weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Yeah. So, I mean, I let them sleep until their bodies are ready to wake up. Normally, it's not 930. Normally, it's somewhere between 730 and 830 that they get up. Yep. Um, And then I ask them what they want for breakfast. They know that's sort of like they're, we're going to start soon. (laughs) And then we always start while they're eating breakfast with a read aloud. Yeah. Which they've really liked. And we'll do stuff together because they're so close in grade. We do a lot together. Right. They only do separately their reading. Writing actually isn't even that different either because my older son has the issues with writing and the younger son doesn't. So they're basically at the same level in writing and then their math is different. So we do their together work, which is more like social studies, science, read alouds, and then they'll take a break. When it was nicer out, we would ride bikes, go outside. Um, Now that it's snowy, sometimes they want to play board games or they'll go outside in the snow. Right. And depending on the day and like what my afternoon looks like, sometimes that'll be an hour (laughs) break for playing. Today they went outside and it was really cold and they came back in in like five minutes and they were ready to go. So it wasn't a long break today. Right. And then we do like their individual work. And then by lunchtime, we're done with like traditional school stuff. And depending on, you know, what I have for work and stuff like that, we do experiments in the afternoon. My younger son is very into science. He has like a whole wizarding kit and it has all sorts of different fun experiments in it. We've had other like chemistry sets he always wants to do, building box forts, all that kind of stuff in the afternoon. Yep. That's awesome. That sounds a lot like our schedule. We try to get our homeschool, you know, or most of our school work done in the morning, you know, reading, writing, math, get it done. And so that we can have more flexibility in the afternoon to, you know, my son's really into video games. So he wants to have time to play video games or yeah. we play, we play a ton of board games all the time. So many board games. 
So <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, I have one question for you and it, don't feel bad if you're not sure because I, I didn't run this one by you, but <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, I'm wondering now if you ever reflect on, you know, your time as a, when you, when your kids were in public school and you thought, you know, you thought things were going well and you felt like you were really engaged. And is there anything you would tell your past self, like, or anything that you wish you did differently when the kids were homeschooled now that you can like, you see them as homeschoolers? I mean, so I said that wrong. Is there anything that you wish you did differently or wish you knew about when they were in public school now that you've been homeschooling them and you see them as learners? I I guess I just wish because I honestly, like I said, we read with them every night. You know, we would do my husband would do some extra math with them every night. And it was, it was a lot. They were in school all day. And then we were putting like more pressure on them at home. So I don't, it's not that I would wish that I was more involved or more aware because yeah, this is a little bit of a tough one. I don't wish that I had done more. Like, I don't want to say like, I wish I'd done more with them because they were beat. They were exhausted. I almost wish that I had just had the confidence to do it from the beginning at home. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's your advice, right? If there's families out there thinking about maybe homeschooling and they're thinking, I don't know if I can do this. You can, right? We say you can. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. Well, I always love to ask my guest, what is your favorite children's book? It could also be just a book you're reading right now. Um, just to share, to share a book with the listeners. (laughs) Um, okay, so I was thinking about this, and I honestly could not think of, like, a book that I loved growing up that I was like, I can't wait to share with my children. Yeah. Um, so this is not, like, a classic or anything like that, but it's That's one okay. of the books that I feel like my kids love reading. It's opened them up to other books, but are you familiar with Nibbles, the book monster? Yes, uh, yes, we have the Nibbles book we got for Celia for Christmas, I think. Yeah, so I love that one, and they'll still, they're, like, a little bit on the older end for it now, but they'll still pull it out, and then, like, if other of the, for anyone that doesn't know about Nibbles, it's this book monster, and he eats through other stories, so then there's little parts of other, like, classic stories in it. Um, Right, and then the monster is, like, in the storyline a little bit, so if it's, like, Little Red Riding Hood, it'll be the Little Red Riding Hood story, but then the monster shows up in in the story. Yeah, it's really cool. It's really creative how they incorporate it. But yeah, now they'll like point out that if something like Little Red Riding Hood comes up, they'll be like, oh, like we we know that from Nibbles. So they still like refer back to it, which is fun. That's cool. And all those classics, we, we were just reading a book today with Celia called The Mermaid. It's a book by Jan Brett. But as we're reading it, it was Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Like it was, that was the storyline. It's like the mermaid goes to the, little octopus house and it's the mom and you know the whole thing and and so I think those kinds of books are great for kids to hear in different ways because it's those storylines and then they can start being creative with their own storytelling and writing and sort of making those connections between these different books that they've read so yeah and that's that's interesting that you brought that up because we were just talking yesterday morning me and the boys about Hansel and Gretel (laughs) I mean, we don't have to get into the details, but Mike was pretending to put Lingham in the oven. One day. 
they were just like monkeying around. Oh my goodness. Some sort of reference to Hansel and Gretel. And then they started talking about like the details of the story, but they were like disagreeing about it. And then we realized that they had read different versions of it. Like one had seen it on book flicks and one had seen it on like epic books. And then we compared and they were like different versions. So it was like really interesting to compare the different versions of the same story too yeah yeah that's really cool that would be a fun little side project um this spring to like go to the library and see if you can collect some different you know because there's all kinds of versions of the three little pigs Mm -hmm. and Hansel and Gretel and Goldilocks we did uh like a fairy tales unit with Michael last year I think for second grade where Mm -hmm. he was studying fairy tales and that's what we did we found a bunch of different versions of it and then you can watch like the video you know the movie of it too and was that um was that part of the brave writer yes yeah okay because i um i did the like free download of a unit to see if i'd like it to do that for next year and the fairy tales unit was the free download that you could try (laughs) yeah yeah we had a lot of fun with it we ended up making like the three little pigs houses out of like edible things and then we did oh, cool. Hansel and Gretel we we did a gingerbread house so because okay. we did it leading up to the holidays so it was really good yeah awesome I think oh, we're gonna try that unit over the summer as just sort of like a fun easy more relaxed yeah thing to awesome. do in the summer and then and make a decision so do you think have you thought about next year at all do you feel like you're going to continue homeschooling or absolutely yeah yeah that's awesome that's so exciting I know that everybody, I feel like when you first start homeschooling, that's what people want to know. Like, well, are you going to do it again? <laughs> right. It's like everybody right. thinks, oh, it's just like a phase or something. Right. Um, right. And, you know, are you going to go back when this is over? But uh, that's awesome to hear that it's going well for you and you're, you found a really good rhythm and you're going to stick with it because I think we can really do so much for our children in terms of, you know, educating them in the way that they learn best and right. also helping them to explore the things that they're interested in that they might not be able to explore in a traditional school setting. So it's really is a gift. I think that you're able to give your child when you're able to be really hands-on and involved in their education in this way. So that's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Julie, for coming on and sharing your story. I think it's really great for other moms and dads to hear from real moms and dads that are doing this, right. Yeah. Making this transition and, and, Seeing that it's not always perfect. There's some bumps along the way, right? It didn't work out at first, but you kind of just figure things out and, you know, (laughs) it all works out in the end. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. And thank you everyone for listening to the Reading Project podcast. Thanks so much for listening. And if you know anyone who might be interested in joining us and listening in on my podcast, I would love for you to share it. And I'd also love to connect with you on social. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. All my links are in the show notes. Make sure you head over to my website at www.yourreadingtutor.com to sign up for my newsletter so you'll be notified when new episodes come out and any new promotions or services that I'm offering. You can also find my free signature three-step reading reward system on my website. You'll be able to download it and just get started right away helping your struggling reader to reach their potential. Keep reading. See you next time.